Hello, our beautiful culties. So much as is true with adults and life, there's lots of traveling right now going on. So we were not able to bring you Anonymous, which we said we were going to bring you. Instead, as a consolation prize, I thought we would release one of our Patreon episodes for you, free of charge. So this is from December when Rachel and I talked about the Hellfire Club from X-Men and I was sick with COVID, stuck in a hotel. So please excuse my disgusting voice and enjoy this episode and we'll see you back here in two weeks with an interview with an ex-cult member. Enjoy! Cults over here! Cults over there! There are cults everywhere! everywhere. We're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a little nerdy boy who was taken to a comic book store where he found X-Men. And in the books, there's this group called the Hellfire Club. A totally fictional group. (laughs) Totally fictional group that does not exist. (laughs) <laughs> but does it? Bum, 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 bum. Bum. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Sean. It's been like two months. I know. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. This is weird. This is weird. So we do not have Alan today because we are recording this the day after Christmas and he is with his family. I am quarantined in a hotel and Rachel is just happy to be here. Just happy. <laughs> Yeah. So today we are talking about the Hellfire Club, which we thought it would be fun, or I thought it would be fun, and I'm pushing this on Rachel, that um, we do a fictional group that turns out is not so fictional, and we'll talk about how culty they are, and we'll talk about the origins, the actual origins. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Every All the descriptive words that I found about this group are just wonderful. Um, these descriptive words include dens of iniquity and riotous, orgiastic revelry. <laughs> I like <laughs> orgiastic. That's wonderful. Orgiastic. It's, where, <laughs> it's like fantastic and orgies in one. <laughs> well, I found this fascinating. I know this is way skipping ahead, but I'm like, I see you creators okay so i'll start here this came out in uncanny x-men number 129 in january of 1980 so this was like the heyday of chris claremont Mm -hmm. who is a legend amongst x-men fans Mm -hmm. and uh, john byrne who together they made like the phoenix saga they made days of future past they brought in fan favorite characters like rogue and gambit and mystique and jubilee but it's really funny because one of the things i found is an actual group of the Hellfire Club, which I'm sure we'll go into more detail later, but once that group was disbanded, the guy's son made a new group called the Phoenix Club. Yeah. And I'm, that's a little close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they're inspired by what has come before. <laughs> I think so. I totally do. Yeah, small world. So how do you want to do this? Should we talk about the fictional Hellfire Club and then get into the real one? Or Yeah, let's talk about the fictional one because it's very different <laughs> than the original ones. Yes. 
So the fictional one, it was actually heavily influenced by an episode of The Avengers, not those Avengers. Oh, different Avengers. <laughs> yeah, the British show with the guy with the top hat. And, and they were like black, right? Yeah, and Uma Thurman a- was in the movie. I was about to say, there was a movie at one point. <laughs> and the movie had like Sean Connery and a meaning of bad guys, and they're all wearing like colorful bear suits. It's very odd. <laughs> sounds quality (laughs) i need to rewatch it because the first time i watched it i was like what the fuck am i watching and when i talk about it i'm like it sounds wonderful (laughs) (laughs) reflecting on this years later sounds great (laughs) it sounds orgiastic (laughs) so uh they were in that episode of the avengers in 1966 the episode was called a touch of brimstone Ooh. Mm -hmm. which is interesting because I find that the Hellfire Club often gets associated with Satanism, though in its root, it really has nothing to do with Satanic ritual (laughs) or anything. Yeah, and that's a pattern I feel like I keep seeing today because a lot of people who call themselves Satanists are actually just like, live free, have fun, make sex. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't care about Satan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because that's the whole thing. It's the Satanic Church. It's not about satan as a person <laughs> it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with that so they're a fun group of people i like them they're out there representing yeah so according to x-men lore the hellfire club started in the 1700s in 1754 i want to say is a year okay and it started just kind of the way the actual ones did, where it was just rich people wanting to have fun and have their own club and make sex and All that kind of stuff. Mm. Until in the 20th century, the early 20th century, they operated mainly out of where I am, Rachel, in San Francisco. That was a logical place for them to migrate to from England. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they were dedicated to finding more information about the overmen. Oh, the overmen. Okay. Yeah. They're mutants. That was what they called them back in the day, the overmen. Okay. Okay. So I found it interesting that even from the beginning, even this fictionalized group was like, we're focused on this thing, like this thing. We don't even know if it's real. This is what we are pursuing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Hellfire Club always has a Lord Imperial which is someone that not everybody knows. Like, most people haven't even met him. Ah. The, the one that has ruled over the group the longest is Sir Gordon Phillips, who even I don't know that much about Sir Gordon Phillips. He's a mystery man. He's a mystery man. And what's interesting is the Hellfire Club in the comics is this big group, but a lot of people don't even know that there's the inner circle, which is... The people we know, like Emma Frost, Sebastian (laughs) Shaw, like those people, which is funny because in the cartoon, instead of calling it the Hellfire Club, they're just the inner circle. Oh, the most important people. And it doesn't. And Mm -hmm. so you said they were they got together to like find out about mutants. But like some of those people like Emma Frost is they are mutants. right? Yeah. So they started doing that in the early 20th century. So in the 1900s. Mm-hmm. So this was way before like Emma and those okay. people, but eventually, yeah, the inner circle is basically made up of mutants, rich mutants, rich m- money. 
rich orgiastic mutants. <laughs> I think I missed those episodes. <laughs> Did you see their outfits? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense now. Yeah. So then eventually, um, a lot of the early stuff about the Hellfire Club hasn't really been explored as much in the comics. Of course, the biggest is what they were created for, the Phoenix Saga. I am Phoenix! Bum, bum, bum. And just like we've seen, they are based on chess pieces. So Sebastian Shaw is the Black King. Oh. And Emma Frost is the white, white queen. queen. White queen. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me think of my favorite version of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> With what's her name being the white queen? Oh, what's oh. her name? My favorite raspberries lady. Raspberries. Is it Carol Channing? <laughs> yes, yes. She plays the white queen. <laughs> um. Chris and I always have a joke because if you play the X-Men arcade game, when you fight like Wendigo, he goes, Wendigo, Wendigo. (laughs) So we always make fun of uh, White Queen. We imagine that she should go, White Queen, White Queen, White Queen. (laughs) (laughs) They're like Pokemon, but different. (laughs) Yeah, only more dangerous because they want to kill you and have powers. Yeah. So like Pokemon. I was going to say that that is Pokemon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So in Sebastian's time, the biggest thing they did is they used a mastermind who can manipulate your thoughts and make you see what they want you to see or he wants you to see. Mm -hmm. And they turned the Phoenix evil by trying to manipulate her power. People always manipulating the Phoenix. She's always being evil. Always being evil. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually um, Magneto joined as the Grey King. That's not even a real chess piece. What? That's not a real (laughs) chess piece. Yes, it is. You've never played (laughs) Grey? And um, he kind of kicked Sebastian out because (laughs) nobody likes Sebastian. He's a little crazy. Poor Sebastian. Do you remember who played Sebastian in the movie? No. Kevin Bacon. Oh, well, that makes sense then. I I understand that now. (laughs) He can can go. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, eventually Magneto got kind of bored and left. He also kind of left to save Roke, (laughs) who he was trying to get with. No, he didn't. You're making this up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Rogue was lost in the Savage Land, so you went to go save her, and she was like, I'm sorry, sugar. I'm with Gambit. That's when she wore her best outfit, was when she yeah. was lost in the Savage Land. She was hot in that outfit. Yeah, she was. If you haven't seen it, look up Savage Land Rogue and get your lube ready, because... <laughs> Wasn't she wearing, was she wearing that outfit when you sent me that picture of her the one time? In the statue? Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. the middle, I was in the middle of a mushroom trip and then I just kept, was staring at it forever being like, she's so beautiful. <laughs> 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 and it probably took me like an hour or two to get back to you. <laughs> but I don't know. Time was weird. <laughs> I love Rachel on mushroom trips because one time she called me and she's like, you're such a good friend. 
<laughs> I love you, Sean. No, you're just so good. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. You're like you don't understand. In almost every single version of a medicine trip that I have, I just end up in this like love fest with all the people in my life and how amazing they are and how the universe has gifted me such amazing people. And it often comes out like <laughs> me saying, like, oh, they're just so good. They're just so good. It's so good. <laughs> I just say that every way you can. Yep. <laughs> I'm an appreciative uh psychedelic user you are and i'm not angry about it (laughs) um so from there and i'm i'm there's a lot of history with hellfire club so i'm just kind of giving some notable things which i thought kind of fits the patterns Mm -hmm. so any x-men stands out there don't get mad at me if i'm not going through your favorite part of the hellfire club (laughs) because we're handpicking it to to fit our certain thing (laughs) just like politics yeah (laughs) So I thought it was funny because after Magneto left, um, Roberto de Costa, does that name sound familiar at all? No. Roberto. Roberto. He is um, Sunspot. Sunspot. So he was in the New Mutants movie. He's the one where he turns all like blacky. I need, oh, I haven't finished watching that. I started watching it and I haven't finished I'd say it's not the best X-Men movie, but it's better than the Phoenix movies. <laughs> Which I also have not seen. You're well, lucky. The newest version, at least. I saw yeah. the older ones, obviously. So yeah, Sunspot has a bunch of money. So he basically mm-hmm. came along and it was like, I'm going to buy the Hellfire Club. I'm going to do some good with it. And oh. there's a character named Sage who mm-hmm. was actually undercover in the Hellfire mm-hmm. Club at one point. Okay. He brought her to rule with him. So it was an age of good for the Hellfire Club. Oh, that's when like, it was really just investing in things like orgies, like all the positive things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't say positive right now. It's still triggering. <laughs> 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 and then this is where things get kind of bad again, because uh, there's, he was actually a former student of Emma Frost named Empath. Mm-hmm. And this is what, kind of triggered her from bad to good is all of her students got killed or so she thought oh. I know so having nothing and having the world be attacked by the failing she jo- she joined forces with the x-men and was like I just want to teach I just want to teach children oh. and she became good <laughs> but one of her evil students empath came forward and started the hellfire cult ah! oh no <laughs> Yeah. They, they're so blatant that they put it in the name. Exactly. Fire. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then uh, this was interesting. He His strings were being pulled, though. There was a woman in charge, as Ooh, there should be. As there always should be. <laughs> and she called herself the Red Queen. Oh, this is also a color that does not exist in chess. <laughs> now we're in we're into checkers now. Yes, we are into checkers. And now the Red Queen turned out to be <gasps> Madeline Pryor. Oh, some some clone action happening here. Yep, the evil clone of Jean Grey. If you are not aware who Madeline Pryor is. <laughs> She's a sexy, goblin-esque lady. I have her tattooed to 
beautiful. I have a tattoo to my arm and my mom was like, is that Nicole Kidman? I was like, yes, that's Nicole Kidman amongst all these evil X-Men characters. I got my sleeve about X-Men and then my favorite person in the world, Nicole, Nicole. Kidman. <laughs> it makes sense. It tracks. It makes sense. Um, from there, a new Hellfire Club. So the cult is its own thing. Hellfire Club starts back up with Cade Kilgore in charge, and he's calling it the Hellfire Academy. All right. Cade is like 15 years old. <laughs> oh, he's an ambitious young'un. We had a whole team of like teenagers running it, and they were the X Men's biggest like rival for a while. It's really random. I've. Wow, that makes the X-Men sound very incompetent. <laughs> I know, yeah, just human kids <laughs> running a business. <laughs> I'll get you, quirky kids. <laughs> um, last thing, they are currently the Hellfire Trading Company, and now it is run by Emma Frost, who is once again the White Queen, oh. and Kitty Pride, who's the Red Queen. So does that mean it's good now? It's good, yeah. They they take a boat around and they share their um, Krakoa, the island they live on. They mm-hmm. share their medicines with different parts of the world in exchange for accepting Krakoa as a sovereign nation and respecting the mutants. All right. Wow, that came full circle. So that's your quick history of the Hellfire Club in a nutshell. Nice. Very good. Our 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. So obviously uh, lots of creatives came up with these interesting ways to develop this club in X-Men, but it does all come from real life inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to for the Hellfire Club, there's actually similar to how there was multiple iterations of it in the X-Men. There were multiple iterations of different Hellfire Clubs in the world. So the very first instance um, or what's credited as kind of the first instance of the Hellfire Club was created by Philip, the Duke of Wharton. And this guy was a powerful Jacobite politician. Uh, The Jacobites were a big movement in England that was all about like monarchy and thinking that the monarchy should have gone a different way and that they should reinstitute an old line. And so um, there was a lot of tension going on uh, between the Jacobites and I don't remember who they're against, but the Jacobites were the ones saying like, oh, we want to change things. Um, And this guy, Philip, in 1719, he founded the original Hellfire Club when he was just 20 years old. And the primary focus of this club was that he they wanted to like perform parodies of religious rites. And it was inspired by the works of Voltaire. And apparently, a, I love this, they described it as a popular fad of the time was blasphemy. You know, <laughs> That fad of blasphemy. What a fad, this blasphemy. (laughs) We are just having so much fun doing blasphemous things. Um, So that really ties into, like, the fact that they were parroting, you know, the religious rites. And there was a lot of kind of disrespect that they were focusing towards religion at the time. And this first club weren't actually accepted women as full members. So... 
in this version of the club, the women weren't just there to, you know, have sex with. They were there as actual members participating in this club, having the discussions, making fun of the things. They would meet on Sundays, and members came dressed as characters from the Bible. Everyone dressed up in outfits as humorous versions of characters from the Bible. And then they would feast on delicious things. Like, they they feasted on Holy Ghost pie. Uh, this one's my favorite. Um, the breast of Venus, because everyone loves a good breast of Venus. Uh, the devil's loin. Also good for nominon. Um, and then Hellfire Punch was their drink of choice. <laughs> where there's a lot of modern versions of Hellfire Punch where they make it by putting like Tabasco sauce in it, but that's clearly like that that wasn't what Victorian people were doing. And I looked up and I found like an older version where they say it was like a mix of wine, brandy, port, and cranberry juice. And I'm like, Sangria. <laughs> they all had sangria. <laughs> I'm up for it. That sounds fun to me. Now, Rachel, I have a question for you. Yeah. What character would you address as at one of these parties? Ooh, what character? Um, I maybe I would have been like Lot's wife. I would have been like a pillar of salt. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Like just you just came up with that too. <laughs> <just now. laughs> because that story is ridiculous. Like this woman glanced back at the place and got turned to salt. Meanwhile, Lot then was gotten was apparently drugged by his daughters who then had sex with him. And it's like, why? Ooh. Why are we why is the message from this story that is that sodomy is bad. It makes no sense. Yeah. I hate religion. You all suck. <laughs> I think I'd build myself a little boat and I'd come as Noah with little like animals in my boat. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Or imagine. Okay. Okay. So this version of the Hellfire Club wasn't on a river like the later version was, but can you imagine like coming as baby Moses, like putting yourself just like in a little <laughs> thing in the river and like floating down it and being like, I'm here. <laughs> religion yay let my people go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah so i mean it's a fun time they're dressing up in their bible outfits they're feasting and um it didn't sound like this one got as sex-based as maybe later versions of it got it was more about like making fun of religion And it actually then was disbanded in 1721 because he had a lot of political opponents who didn't like him. And they got King George I to prohibit such impieties. Um, So sadly, it was only around for like three years, this first version of the Hellfire Club. And dear Mr. Philip, the Duke of Wharton, at that point afterwards, because this little clubhouse didn't work out. He went on to become a grand master of the premier grand lodge of England in 1723, which of course is a Freemasons guild. Oh, So he's like, if I can't have that club, I'm just going to join a different club. Cause I'm rich. Um, but sadly he also then died at the age of 32, a penniless alcoholic. So, I mean, he had some exciting times, but, no, nah, that was short-lived 
he died. He was short-lived. <laughs> um, it could have been worse. He could have been a penniless writer. A penniless sitar player. <laughs> sitar player. <laughs> I don't like this ending. <laughs> Move on, Rouge, y'all. <laughs> Watch it. Love it. Um, so now kind of moving on to then the next version of the Fire Club hellfire club that comes along and a big theme in hellfire clubs are rakes rake hells hell raisers and a rake was a man who spends his time drinking gambling and womanizing and that's like that's very that's a lot of stuff to do that's a lot of time spent doing nothing of use so of course most of the people that were doing this were really wealthy gentlemen that didn't have like to actually work to get along. They, and, and it did seem at one point that it was like the younger generation that was doing it a lot, but our, our main guy, uh, we'll see, he kind of did it well into his older ages. So the Hellfire Clubs were a place where rakes and their Lito loves, uh, also known as mistresses or sex workers, um, could <laughs> indulge in scandalous behavior because one always needs a location to go to to partake in your scandalous behavior away from the prying, judgmental eyes of society. So enters Sir Francis Dashwood and the Order of the Friars of St. Francis of Wycombe. So Sir Francis, he was born in 1708, and he inherited the baronetcy of Dashwood of West Wycombe at age 15. So his dad died when he was still a young man. And so he took over this baronetcy, took over all the money, and he then went and spent a lot of his youth and early adulthood abroad, kind of traveling all over the continent. He was known to be a prankster. This guy... This guy, he was so silly. So silly, you guys. So he dressed up like the king of Sweden and went to the Tsar of Russia's court because the Tsar of Russia hated the king of Sweden. They were mortal enemies. So, of course, he dressed up like him pretending to be the, the king of Sweden and then tried to seduce his wife. He's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's, real He's good. so funny. <laughs> so, that prankster. Um, the other thing that he and his friends liked to do uh, when they were in Italy was they liked to impersonate clergymen and just, you know, pretend to be priests and stuff uh, while doing naughty things, um, which everyone knows priests never do naughty things. Only impersonators could do this such thing. So a prankster. And then, um, and I think his experience kind of impersonating the clergy and doing it with his friends in a way that they felt was really funny is part of what really inspired the Hellfire Club and him coming up with that. So he ended up back home in England and before he created the, the Hellfire Club, he first came up with a dining club called the Dilettante Society, which had about 40 members, and it was all about classical art. Um, at least that's what they kind of said they were about, but there's this guy, this writer, uh, who is also a wealthy man of society, Horace 
Walpole, who said it was a club for which the nominal qualities of having been or or participating is having to been to Italy and the real one being drunk. Drunk. So, So you have to go to Italy and you have to be drunk and you can be part of this club. That's so difficult to do. It's so hard. So hard. Now, just to interject real quick, two things I found really interesting so far is Sir Francis Dashwood, I found, Mm -hmm. is a character in a comic book. Oh, he is? In Hellblazer, which I haven't read, but it's... It focuses on his character as starting a Hellfire Club that people go to. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) And also, I found that one of his early members that um, was part of the Hellfire Club was the Earl of Sandwich. Yes. Yeah, we haven't gotten to him yet. But he does. He's uh, the one where they first kind of... So he did the Dilettante Society, and Mm -hmm. then... He did the Devon Club, where they just shared stories about travel in the Ottoman Empire and probably also drank a lot, because that's what they like to do. But then he and the Earl of Sandwich, um, John Montague, that that version of, because there's many Earl of Sandwiches, yeah. obviously, but John Montague, um, they first started their Hellfire Club at a pub called the George and Vulture Inn. And that's where they would go to kind of have some raucous fun times. But that was also very public. And all the things that they wanted to do weren't the best for practicing at your local pub because you can't just whip it out and start having orgies in the middle of a pub. I mean, maybe you could, but... That's what went wrong at Starbucks yesterday. That's what went wrong! (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the, when they decided to be more private about it, they first went back to, uh, Dashwood's estate. And so this was about 1752, I think. Hold on. Yeah. 1752. And this first kind of version of it was called the Brotherhood of St. Francis of Wycombe, Order of the Knights of West Wycombe. Um, they really like to come up with these weird long names, about their clubs. I think it made them feel special. Um, But being at Sir Dashwood's private residence wasn't his favorite. But right a couple miles down the way off of the Thames was this awesome abbey that was for rent. It was called the Medmenham Abbey. And it had a beautiful view of the river. It was near Marlowe, Buckinghamshire. And it was kind of in disrepair, kind of falling apart. So they rented it and they brought in an architect, Nicholas Rivette, to fix it up in an 18th century Gothic revival sort of way. So so it's really like Renaissance-inspired art on the walls, stained glass, spires, very kind of Gothic cathedral looking. Um, and then their group, they started calling them was the monks of Medmenham because it's not fun unless you're impersonating clergy. You have to like do funny things about the church for it to be truly fun. (laughs) So what they wanted to do at this point was they would do obscene parodies of Franciscan rites with orgies of drunkenness and debauchery in private. In this beautiful abbey where they were away from prying eyes. Um, So 
it's it's starting to be a really fun place. Um, the at this point, like women aren't allowed to be members of the club, but they are allowed to be brought along as the mistresses, as the sex workers that are having sexy times. As long as they were a good funnel time, they were welcome to come participate um, in the drunkenness and debauchery. And one of my favorite things um, in the redesign that this guy did, there was a motto kind of etched over an archway and I'm gonna kill the pronunciation, but it said like fe sika budra, uh, which is do what you will, hmm. which do we have, have we experienced themes about like doing what you will? Sounds very familiar. Very Almost familiar. very crawly. <laughs> it always comes back to him. This <laughs> always comes back to Crawley. So at this point, Dashwood is acting as a high priest. Uh, he's about 50 years old. So this guy isn't a young, spry 20-year-old like the other guy who's like, I'm young and I need crazy times. This is a 50-year-old man who's like, I want to make fun of the church and have lots of sex. Um, so <laughs> when you say like that, anything sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it specifically said his favorite pastimes were, number one, making fun of religion. Number two, drinking and number three having indiscriminate sex <laughs> those are his favorite things to do <laughs> fun times but so for all the like craziness it sounds like they really only officially met about twice a year um they encouraged everyone to bring female guests of a cheerful and lively disposition so we all know i would have been invited great um and um one of the other fun things here were the caves, mm. the man-made caves. Oh. Because underneath the abbey, they built out this man-made cave system because you can't always just like be up where everyone can see you. It's fun to go into the depths to practice sex and and weird versions of rituals. And, um, and they still exist to this day. And... You can go and take a tour of them, a family-friendly tour of the Hellfire Caves. And my favorite part is that you can rent them for parties. What kind of parties? <laughs> Fun parties. <laughs> Lots of bumping going on. Um, so they're still around today. You can go and experience them. Um, and... Throughout the time, uh, some interesting people have participated in it. Like, we knew that Earl of Sandwich, and there was a bunch of their friends that participated. It was him, what, Dashwood and 11 of his peers that rented the Abbey and really took part in this. So it was, like, mostly 12 guys and then the ladies that they brought along. So it wasn't an overwhelming number of people, but they would bring in guests from time to time, uh, like Benjamin Franklin. I heard about he this. Attended at least one meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's over there creating some electricity of his own. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm clever. Um, it's worth noting there's absolutely no evidence of Satanism involved in anything that they did. They were making fun of religion, but they had no ties to any sort of Satanic rituals. They didn't believe in magic. Like, this was rich guys 
doing this for the sex and the drunkenness and the fun. There was no kind of belief system that was behind them working together. Um, there were rumors of satanic rituals and sex workers. See, I called them sex workers. You're so good. Apparently, they would call them their nuns. Oh, <laughs> yes. But I'm with you. I think it's just because they were anti-religion that they were deemed satanic. Yeah. Yeah, like, because when you go through a lot of the articles about them, like, there really is no proof of that. Um, and whereas you look at some of these other groups, like the things that Crawley, and even Freemasonry has, like, rituals that seem much more like kind of rituals guided by some sort of religion and weird beliefs, uh, or great beliefs, don't come at me, Um but no, it, it seemed like these guys were, it was all about the blasphemy. It was all about making fun of religion. And they didn't seem to have any strong beliefs outside of, you know, taking part in carnal pleasures. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I did find they called each other brothers. Mm-hmm. The abbot was the one who ran the meetings, so each member wore the same attire, white trousers, jacket, and a cap, but the abbot wore red. Oh, the color of sex and sin. Sin, (laughs) debauchery, and orgiastic pleasure. I found that interesting, though, that we do see the black, white, and red colors in the fictional Hellfire Club. And then Gray, fuck you, Magneto. (laughs) Exactly. What is this man doing? (laughs) Sit down, sir. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and eventually the the Hellfire Club seemed to just kind of fade out. Uh, There wasn't like a necessary, this was the ending date of it. Um, But they just kind of or went underground. Apparently there are some secret Hellfire Clubs supposedly that exist at Trinity College and Maynooth University in Ireland. Um, and if those exist, they're very good at staying very secret because there's not a lot of information out there. Um, and then, of course, Dashwood's son made his own little club. Sorry, nephew. I got it wrong nephew, earlier. Nephew. Mm-hmm. Made his own club, the Phoenix one. Um, and... With that one, I didn't end up diving into it as much because it seemed like its own separate sort of offshoot. Um, But did you read much about it? Was it more about the sex and the debauchery or did it have actual? Um, So let's see. The most I got is his nephew's name was Joseph Alderson. And like you said, the original club ended in the 1760s. I didn't really see a definitive end, but it seems like Joseph Alderson in 1780 just wanted more frivolity and sex and elitism. (laughs) Which I guess it seems like these sort of things feel like they're still around, but they're not around as like, we're a club. Like we still have these rich men getting together for debaucherous times on islands where they bring in, where they traffic in like young girls, um, like young women to have sex with. Um, so like, even though the hellfire club doesn't necessarily exist today, I definitely see how it has inspired certain behaviors in the upper class that is still widely practiced. And we still see things like, you know, for of course, gay men, we have, uh, what are they called? Um, 
like sweat lodges. What are those called? Bathhouses? Bathhouses, or... yeah. <laughs> sweat we have bathhouses, yeah. <laughs> I know. Just I had... to go and, and go sweat and it out in an in a animal skin hut safely. <laughs> and what's crazy is, like, back in the day, sex was such, like, a no-no, like, shh, don't talk about it. And now, I don't know if you've heard this, Rachel, there's people out there who go to orgies. They find just online or through friends. What? <laughs> who does? that who I don't does know. that i don't know that's a that's a mystery i don't know i don't think I'm alone. <laughs> so, right i think yes it still does exist there's just not the need for like the club anymore because you can go just about anywhere and find someone yeah. to participate with yeah and i guess one of the really interesting things to me was how this how such a big part of the practices of this were pairing that sort of stuff with making fun of religion. We can't yeah. just get together and get drunk and have sex. We need to dress as Bible characters and make fun of religion. This is important. <laughs> I'm not going to fuck you until you make fun of Mary, our holy mother. <laughs> you haven't done it enough. <laughs> you better come dressed as Mary in her super pregnant state just about to pop and then we'll have fun. It'll be great. But let's not even bring up the fact that Mary was like, 13 or something. <laughs> yeah, let's no. not bring that up. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and, and it's so interesting to me also, the fact that they were such short periods of times. Our first version of it was around for three years. The second version, it was like 1752 to sometimes in the 60s. So that wasn't even like a full 20 years um, that these well-known iterations were around but we still see it like being used in all sorts of different media x-men used it um the avengers uh they had used it like it's i feel like it's one of those things that gets used like in long-running shows it's like you have to have an episode where you touch on the hellfire club uh you even have like Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters International, I think both did episodes uh, mm -hmm. where they went and they did kind of uh, investigations at the caves, um, which is funny because they weren't really known for like people dying there. They were just known for raucous sex times. So. It brings a whole new meaning to them being like, I heard a moan. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they're having a good time. <laughs> Their meeting is in full swing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, that would be a nice way, though, because you know how they say, like, sometimes you're in death, like, locked in the same situation over and over. Like, what yeah. a situation to be locked in. <laughs> like, these ghosts were like, I'm not going for a time where I was uncomfortable. I'm going for a time when I was having <laughs> the best group sex of my life. Right. Count me in. I'm there forever. <laughs> so why don't we do this? Let's go through our five tenants. But how about you answer for the real life club and I'll answer for X-Men. And okay. we'll see if we feel either of these are cults. Okay. All right. Charismatic leader. Um, Dashwood was apparently very charismatic uh, during his tenure. Um, so I, I think that he was charismatic. I don't feel like he held an iron fist over anyone and forced them to do anything. He more yeah. like created the space. That's true. He said, here it is, make fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, our X-Men Hellfire always has some sort of charismatic leader because we said the the Lord Imperial 
wasn't really seen, but I think of like Sebastian Shaw and Magneto and even Emma. And yeah, they're very charismatic. That's why people follow them. Yeah. How about alienation? Uh, I don't feel like there was any sort of alienation. Uh, They definitely tried to remove themselves from like the judgmental side of society, but they were also then participating in normal society on an everyday basis. This was just like kind of going over in a corner to have really good sexy times. And then they'd (laughs) come back to their lives and be like, Hey, Hey. (laughs) I'm successful making lots of money. I feel like there was definitely alienation with our fictional because whenever we see them, they're always, no matter what group, it's always like them together, just them in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. So the inner circle part, yes, the whole Hellfire Club, maybe no. Okay. Belief system. They believe in making fun of religion. <laughs> and making fuck. <laughs> they believe in anti-belief. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the whole things about this. It was more about eschewing beliefs than actually having strong beliefs. Um, and so I don't think they had a strong belief slit. Uh, system at all in the real life Hellfire Club. Yeah. In the fictional, I feel like they do. I feel like no matter, and this is probably just comic writing because you have your main villain and the group that follows them, but they're always like, we need to turn the Phoenix evil and use her to take over the world. Or Cassandra Nova, who's Professor X's weird twin sister, was like, we need to do all this evil stuff. So... I believe they're followers in this. I believe in evil. Evil. (laughs) Which brings us to outside evil. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Hellfire Club is the outside evil. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. (laughs) They they believe in themselves. (laughs) And I believe that if we were alive during that time, we would totally be part of the Hellfire Club. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, if I had the money to be able to. I think that's the only stumbling block. We would start our own. We would start the Heck Flame Club. Heck Flames, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say Inner Circle definitely, they're Inner Circle because everybody's evil and they want to take everybody over. Mm-hmm. Um, sense of community. Uh, yeah, I think this like created a safe space for people to come do the naughty things they wanted to do. They had a great sense of community. They were very supportive of getting drunk. And having sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same with Inner Circle, Hellfire Club, Sense of Community. So by our standards, they have cult, yo. Oh, really? I mean, I, the X-Men one. The X-Men one, yes. Yeah, Not I the real one. The real one, I think, is more just like, kind of in the name, it was a club. <laughs> it was a boys yeah, it's club. A club. <laughs> it was a way for them to like play and do the stuff they wanted to do. But they, I think like the belief part is so important like mm-hmm. sometimes in a cult and like and also the way that it like kind of keeps people uh takes people and leads them astray and uh yeah I don't yeah for the real life one it was a boys club but yeah there's a reason the x-men one at one point was just called the hellfire cult yeah and I think the way it's presented in X-Men it's always the power player the charismatic leader like leading them towards something which is something we very much see in cults like everybody following the greater good but just like any group like we've seen them turn into different things and turn good and turn into a school so it's it's an ever-changing thing yeah 
Well, this is fun. I had no idea all this history. Now I have more stuff to add to my book. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And now you know. (laughs) Now you know. Yeah. So yeah, so thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Let us know what other uh, groups you want to hear. Yeah, we have some fun ones uh, lined up. Yeah, you guys are missing out because over on uh, Hanging with the Hollowells, we're actually having one of our Patreons come on the show. Oh. He's actually kind of guiding what she wants to see in Patreon. So I'd love to see that that happen in this group. Yeah. Join us. Join Join us. us. (laughs) Form where we go. Yeah. We will follow you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening. Have a happy new year, 2022. We'll be back. I don't know when yet, but in January, we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah, There's more stuff for you. Yay. Bye. Bye.